My name is Jonathan Huffnagel. I'm the founder of Dash. We created the Dash podcast to hear from the game day digital auctioneers from around the world of sports. We'll share their ideas, best practices, and success stories so that you can learn from the best and apply their practices to your sports team. For those of you who may not know, Dash is the only digital auction platform built specifically for professional sports teams and their fans. I started Dash after working for FC Dallas at Major League Soccer and noting the struggles of our team's charitable foundation director. We hope you take a lot from this podcast. Jen Hildebrand, who actually has a pretty awesome title working with the Connecticut Suns and the New England Black Wolves as the manager of community relations. She runs auctions for both teams and wears many other hats within the organization. Um, Jen, if you could tell us a little bit about who you are, maybe a little bit about your sports career, and just share a little bit of your day-to-day so that we can all get a sense of who you are and and what goes on and relate that to kind of our own world experiences for everyone who's listening right now. Yes, absolutely. Um, First of all, thank you so much for having me. Uh, My job is to manage all of our community relations and corporate communications for both of our franchises. I've been with the Mohegans on Sports as a whole for 10 years now. I started with the Connecticut Sun, and then we bought the New England Black Wolves uh, four years ago. So um, we folded them into the group as well. Um, So part of what I do is player um, relations as it relates to the community, so setting up all of our events. Um, working with our community partners, our players out there, and really making sure they are the best face of our franchises. Mm -hmm. Um, I also do wear a couple other hats with um, logistical organization, um, bigger fundraising events that we do for both teams' foundations, and then public relations on our off-the-field and off-the-court media. Well, you are amazing. That is quite the list of duties. Uh, unbelievable. That's a great story. Ten years. I didn't even know that. That's fantastic. Yep. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. What's great, too, is that um, you know the WNBA season and the lacrosse season, they don't overlap. So for you, it's just it's you've got two seasons in one that you're you're managing, whereas a lot of people who may be listening and in sports, you know, they just they have one team to worry about. It's amazing to hear you know, the, the day to day and everything that goes on and everything that you have to do. And I commend you for being able to manage all that at the same time. So we're excited to have you here. I know a lot of people are going to love everything that, um, you have going on and, and the success stories and the ideas that you're going to be able to share with us because you're clearly just a badass if we can say that. Um, we just did. We just did say it. Um, so first question, first question for you, Jen, in the past two to three seasons, you know, what's been kind of the biggest change that you've seen in regards to fan engagement? Maybe, uh, if if you wanted to speak at a team level, or if you wanted to talk about your own day to day, working with the players, taking them out into the community, what's been the biggest change in the past two or three years? Honestly, social media. And the fact that everyone is on social media in some manner or fashion. We have two very different fan bases for our two franchises. Um, It's just the way that the leagues work. It's also the way that our team has kind of always worked. Um, Our basketball fan base tends to skew a little older. Mm -hmm. So we have focused more on 
the Facebook, Instagram, not as much Twitter for that fan base. It's getting much more Twitter involved, mm-hmm. but um, Facebook is still the main social media for the majority of our basketball fans, whereas on the lacrosse side, our demographic tends to skew a little younger, so we have had a lot of really good success with um, Instagram and Twitter. We still use Facebook, obviously, um, but to be able to do that, but just to see, like, when we go out, people using our hashtag, tagging us, being involved on social media with everything when we're taking players somewhere or even when our sales staff are just out at events, people tagging up, taking photos, things like that. Right. That makes sense. And so as you guys are pushing your social media and using those hashtags and going out into the community with your sales folks, how are you guys deriving revenue from those types of opportunities. I kind of fall back to my days when I was with FC Dallas and ticket sales. This is back when, you know, Twitter was just starting to become a thing in like 2011, 12 and 13. And what I would do on game days is I would search the FC Dallas hashtag, find those individuals, send them a quick message like, Hey, thanks for coming to the game last night. Next thing I know they're following me. Next thing I know we're having a conversation on Twitter. Next thing I know they're purchasing tickets two games, some of them even became season ticket holders. How are you guys using that digital engagement in the Instagram and Twitter world to drive revenues to maybe put butts in seats or support brand and partnership activations? We do contests. We do um, a lot of interactive things. Um, we tend to res- we respond to everyone that we can, uh-huh. um, whether it's answer- answering questions, liking their posts, things like that, just to keep that interaction going um we do also you can sell anywhere now yeah and i think that's the great thing is you can be at an event and you don't necessarily have to be at a computer you can sell from your cell phone you can send someone a link you can direct them to the website Um, we try to direct everyone to our website as much as possible because that's where every single sale option that we have is Mm -hmm. but Anytime our sales guys go out to different events, they have specific ticket packages and plans and specials that are for those specific people. So that way we can target a specific group that may need different types of benchmarks, like a buy one, get one, or a parent buys a discounted ticket for their kid and can get an even more discounted ticket for themselves. Things like that. Mm-hmm. And so through the traction that – and you guys are, are certainly forward thinkers in this space for sure. When we host – when you guys are hosting auctions with Dash, like we're getting people all across the country that are engaging with your auctions and through Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. When you think about the next three, four, five years in a, in a digital world, and as you said, you can sell from anywhere, are there areas that – the front office focuses on and is sort of hedging your bet and spending more time with to generate that revenue, whether that be a digital auction, whether that be um, a video that you post out that drives people to a link, whether that's, and there's some teams who derive revenues through streaming of their games online. Where are some of the areas that the team are focused on right now that you see being big in the next three, four, five years in a digital world? I think video 
Um, we haven't done as much with video in the past as we are starting to do now and making that the main component of how we teach people about our team. Uh-huh. We obviously, a lot, a lot of WNBA games are broadcast. Not all of them are. Um, we just started actually, um, and the second episode is going up today, of uh, behind-the-scenes docuseries on the Sun training camp. It's called Inside the Inferno and is available on ConnecticutSun.com and on our Facebook page. Um, but that's like a really cool way to kind of get to know our team. Uh-huh. And I think that's where this is going. Every time I talk to fans, whether we're at a game, whether we're at an event, they want to know who the players are. Mm-hmm. When you have that, when you feel like you have that personal connection with a player, whether it's just one small thing that you have in common that you may find out about via a video, about a com- during a conversation, things like that, you are more likely to want to come back and want to watch that person. Right. So the more we can get out about our team, about who we are, people will come to us. Sure. Sure. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, I love it. I've, I used this in a podcast the other day, but I always feel as though, and I'm stealing a Gary Vaynerchuk line here because I absolutely love it, but technology is the gateway drug to a more personable one-on-one interaction. And so when those fans are tuned in and they're watching that video and they may be, they may be watching a player that they had no idea had something related to them. Maybe their, maybe their mom both went through cancer. Right. And when that fan meets that player and they meet, they have something they had that connection already established. So that one-on-one interaction is more personable. Um, they're closer together and they have a relationship that's kind of already been established um, when they meet face to face the first time, which is really, really neat. And everyone is consuming content in different channels these days, whether it be um, voice like we're doing here, whether it's video or Twitter or social and just retweeting and liking and commenting on posts that there's so much out there these days that you kind of have to be everywhere. And I'm a big believer as well that video is is huge, um, whether that be you know a 30 second video, a five minute video, or it could be a 60 minute documentary that fans are tuned into. It all kind of is a little different for everyone. Um, now, I want to hit on a little bit. You had some pretty awesome success with some Dash auctions um, in this past year. One in particular was with the uh, Connecticut Suns auction. And you guys had hosted a, an auction with pink jerseys and introduced a secondary offer to fans. And, you know, I could tell the story, but I think it would be more impactful if you were and you kind of share the boots on the ground, some of the stories that some of the fans were telling you and what it was like that day um, for the game and then executing the auction and then fan impressions on the back end as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We've been doing the pink jersey auctions for the last five years. Um, This is our second year, first year, I'm sorry, first year um, using the app for the auctions, we've been doing them in person, silent auction, and while we got some good traction on them, you have to be in our building in order to bid on them. And one of the things that I loved about being able to do it on the app is that people all over the country could bid. None of our players are from Connecticut. They have fan bases all over the country, and 
all over the world, people could bid on the jerseys from there. So we had all the jerseys up for auction, and then we had a lot of additional stuff left over from the pink grouping of days. Part of that is because this year we switched um, merchandise providers and jersey providers from Adidas to Nike, so we knew that there was going to be extra stuff left over that we weren't going to be able to use in the following season. So one of the cool things that Dash has is the second auction or secondary offer option. So what I love about that is if you don't win, you still have the opportunity to get something. So what we did is had all of the jerseys for auction and a couple other specialty items. And then as soon as the auction closed, I had the secondary offer ready to go. It was a buy it now option. People had the opportunity to buy things like shorts, headbands, t-shirts, anything that was going into the pink grouping of stuff. It was all the same kind of things that our team was wearing on the court. So people had been able to see them, but we'd also been promoting them throughout the coming, the previous weeks with social posts, website posts, things like that. Mm -hmm. So we had people from all over the country who were bidding. We had people who didn't win jerseys. The majority of those people were the ones who bought during the secondary auction because they wanted something. And they wanted to be tied to the team and they wanted to help support the cause. Sure, sure. You know, I think that and the thought behind the secondary offer is, you know, uh, game day auctions have gone on in the game day environment for shoot, who knows, 20 plus years, maybe 100 plus years. And they've all been this kind of old school pin, paper, table chairs. And, you know, we'll use the example of you've got your 25 jerseys that are up for auction. You've got your 100 bidders. But when the auction's over, what happens to the other 75 that bid that didn't win? Well, traditionally, they're walking right out the arena doors with nothing in their hands. The secondary offer that you introduced to the fans that night gave those fans who bid that didn't win that chance to walk home with something and drive more revenues for your auctions as well. You know, I always tell teams, you know, whether you're hosting a, a seven-week auction or a seven-hour auction, the most impressionable time during your auction is the last 30 minutes. People are bidding. People want to see, um, you know, if they win, if they lose. And then there's those fans who are just watching to see what their favorite player's uh, jersey actually sells for at auction. Well, if we can extend that attention fans are giving us for another hour or two through a secondary offer, it's a big win. And you guys nailed that perfectly. I think the stat was something to the effect of 80% of the people who uh, purchased a buy now item in your secondary offer had bid on a jersey but didn't win in the main jersey auction, which is just would have been revenue that walked right out the door. So it's just a great story. I think it's a light bulb moment for a lot of teams who are, are listening to this right now and something that's very easy and practical to implement into their own digital auction business as they grow that for their club. Um, now, we always like to keep these podcasts anywhere between 10 and 15 minutes, Jen. I'm going to ask you one more question here. For teams who are maybe still using pen and paper auctions or maybe dipping their toes into the water for digital auctions, what are maybe one, two, three line items that they need to check off to ensure that their first auction 
goes off without a hit. What would you say has been a great success story or idea that you could share? Promotion, definitely. Making sure your fans know that there's going to be a change, especially if you have historically done it one way. Mm -hmm. Making sure that they know that they can't go to a table on the concourse to bid anymore. Um, Also making sure that they know how to use the app. It's so user-friendly, but just being able to show them how it works is super important. Mm -hmm. We ran into that a lot on the sun side, not as much on the black hole side because they didn't have a paper auction experience before that. Um, Promotion, preparation, and one of the things that I found was really interesting that I got feedback on from a lot of fans is adding things as you go. So don't necessarily have everything that you're going to put on auction out there on the first day. People will keep coming back to look for newer items, especially if they've already bid on something and maybe they get outbid and they've already hit their max bid for that item. Well, they're going to come back and look and see if you've added something else. Right. So put more stuff on there and people will continue to come back. You get more engagement, you get more bids, you get more interaction that way. Right, right. I have this in the tagline of my signature, my email. It's it's to not worry about the experience that you're auctioning because a lot of teams will they'll do jersey auctions, but they will also host uh, or for auction post experiences to like meet a player. Uh, meet the coach. It's not the experience that's being auctioned that teams should focus on. It's the experience of the auction that teams should focus on. Like you're saying, don't just upload all of your auction items all at once. Give fans a reason to come back on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and you can ramp up that digital engagement that fans are giving you. And then when, when the Jersey auction day comes and game day comes, you know, you've got bids on every single item and maybe not just one, but you've got three, four, five different bids and fans are tuned in uh, to the auction and engaged, not just on game day, but the week leading up to it as well. So that's a phenomenal point that um, really appreciate you sharing there. I think a lot of people are going to take a lot away from that last point there. Um, well, Jen, hey, we know you wear a lot of hats, so we've got to let you get back to to doing what you do there in Connecticut. Thank you so much for your time. Um, For those who tuned in late, we're speaking with Jen Hildebrand. She's the manager of corporate communications and community relations for the New England Black Wolves and the Connecticut Suns. Jen, thanks again for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course, of course. We'll talk to you soon. All right, sounds great. Thanks, Jen. Dash fans, again, and as always, thank you for listening to another Dash podcast. We hope you've taken some good notes and look forward to seeing them in your auction playbook this season. If you're thinking about taking your team's auctions digital and want to talk about it, you can get a hold of us at email team at dashapp.io. Until next time, Dash fans, don't forget, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Now go out there and make it a great day.